You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Whatever you're bringing into this space this morning, we welcome and invite that. If your spirit is heavy, we have room to hold that heaviness with you. If your spirit is grieving and feeling troubled or unsettled this morning, that is welcome in this space as well. And if you are joining us with a spirit that feels full and grateful and joyful, we welcome that as well. Whatever it is you're bringing, we make space to hold that today. It is really good to be together, to remember the practices that sustain and guide us, these core practices we have as a faith community. We come together to welcome, affirm, and protect the light in each human heart, to listen deeply to where love is calling us next. And with humility, courage, and compassion, we come together and we act to create a more just world. We do all of these things as a faith community committed to dismantling white supremacy culture and building beloved community, a place where everyone can flourish and thrive, be known and welcomed and seen. This is who we are, and this is the life that we invite you into. I also want to share just a couple of reminders and updates this morning with you. As we approach one year of doing online and virtual worship, I want to remind you that First Universalist does not have residency requirements for membership. You can live anywhere in the world and be a member of this faith community. So if you're new to the church and are interested in becoming a member, join us at our First Step class that is offered next Sunday, right after the service, to learn more or be in touch with Reverend Arif Mamdani. So friends, here we are. Here we are together, holding a space to let life, to let love, to let spirit speak to us. Here we are holding a space to remember what is most of worth in our lives, to remember those things and those commitments and those values worthy of our deepest loyalty. Here we are together. So let's take a moment to find our shared breath. Good morning. I'm Lauren Wyeth, Director of Children, Youth, and Family Ministries. And today we're talking about change because sometimes it seems like life is mostly about adjusting to change. As soon as we think we might have it all dialed in, the world goes and changes on us again and we have to figure it out all over. Like when I was a kid, if I didn't know how to spell something, I had to look the word up in a book 
called a dictionary that had all the words in it spelled correctly and organized in alphabetical order. Remember that? The trouble was you had to guess how the word was spelled to be able to find it in the dictionary to check if you had it right. And on top of that, you had to know how to alphabetize in order to find your word. But I just about had dictionaries figured out. And along came computers, which don't require you to alphabetize. But you do have to learn how to use spell check. So I quit worrying about alphabetizing and learned how to use computers and spell check. And I thought, great, now I've got spelling figured out. But no, along comes autocorrect. This funny feature where my phone thinks it knows how to spell better than I do which usually it does, but not always. Like once I texted my teenager before bed, please lock the front and back doors. But my phone decided to correct my spelling and the message went out, please lick the front and back doors, which is not at all the same. Anyway, I'm sure by the time I have autocorrect figured out, there'll be some new spelling tool I have to learn to use, but for now, autocorrect is keeping me on my toes. For sure, things will just keep on changing on us. That's how life is. And a really big change is coming up soon for me and my family. It looks like sometime this summer, my son Cole will be moving far away from Minnesota to go to grad school. And I think, how can that even be? I remember his first day of kindergarten so clearly. Cole had new shoes and a new haircut and a new backpack that looked way too big on his little body as we approached his kindergarten classroom that September morning. He walked so slowly, gripping my hand like a vice. And the closer we got, the more slowly he moved like a turtle and then like a snail. When we were about five feet from the door, he stopped completely. I stood there trying to think of some words to encourage him those last few feet into the classroom. And we watched several of his new classmates and their grown-ups arrive and go in. But Cole's feet were firmly planted and I couldn't think of what to say. So we lingered there on the threshold of kindergarten for quite a few minutes. And then we noticed this other little boy lying on the grass, not too far away with his eyes screwed shut while his mother tried helplessly to convince him to go to school. Michael, Michael, you have to get up. You have to go in, Michael. But no matter how she pleaded, Michael didn't even open his eyes. He didn't answer her. He didn't move a bit. So Cole and I were distracted from our own struggle for a moment. We watched. And at some point I leaned over and said to Cole, I'll bet he's in your class. And then we watched some more. And then Cole slipped his hand out of mine. He crept over to where Michael was, knelt beside him and he whispered, do you wanna go in with me? And Michael's eyes popped open and he stared into Cole's face. They were both so serious. And then Michael decided, without saying a word, he got up and those two little boys took one another by the hand and they went to kindergarten together. That was the start of a big adventure 
and a long friendship born of mutual need and kindness and courage. Mutual need and kindness and courage. Hmm. I hope our time together gives you something to hold on to as you face the changes in your life, whether you chose them or not. May you find and hold tight to what helps you adjust and survive and grow as the moment requires you to. Together, together, we've got this. Boy, still and small, deep inside all, I hear you call, singing through storm and rain, sorrow and pain. Still we remain singing, calming. So friends, in some religious traditions, a sacred text or a religious leader or a religious council is the final word, the final authority on religious belief or religious truth. But Unitarian Universalism offers something much different. Unitarian Universalism asks us to engage our religious roots, asks us to engage our roots in Christianity, our roots in the Jewish scriptures, in these holy texts. They are a part of our faith, but it asks us to go beyond just those stories. Unitarian Universalism recognizes there is an understanding in our faith that real religious wisdom and insight emerges from many sources, from many sacred texts and sacred scriptures. It emerges from the natural world. Wisdom and insight comes from within religious communities and from within our own hearts and lived experiences. In other words, there is a voice, still and small, inside us all that shapes our religious understanding listening to that voice within ourselves and when others share their insights that have come from that still small voice. That is a key part of our religious tradition and a key spiritual practice of Unitarian Universalism. So today, 
In this video that we're about to share that you'll see in just a moment, we invited several congregants to share their knowing, their wisdom, their insight as they reflected on this theme of change, this theme we've been exploring in this month of January. And they've offered their insight and perspective as a gift for our collective consideration. So let's watch and listen to that video now. My name is Frederick McDonald Dennis, and the change that I am in the midst of is learning the spiritual practice of non-attachment. I find that when I do my part and let go, I have greater serenity and peace of mind. This is allowing me to spend time with those I love and on the tasks that I am most interested in and can most change with greater clarity and presence of mind. I'm in the midst of harnessing my courage as I continue to overhaul my life priorities as a result of the pandemic and the Minneapolis uprising. I'm learning once again that art, creativity, making something with my hands is the thread that leads me through and allows me to process, accept, and choose change. When I collected the broken window glass from the Eastlake Library last May, I had a feeling it would make its way into one of my mosaics as a reminder that the broken, although difficult, can be remade. My mosaic is titled Courage Creates Change. Hi everyone, I am Lena Gardner and this is Winnie, Winifred Gardner. We just wanted to offer a reflection on change today. So as the mother of a 13-month-old, oh yeah, do you see that kitty out there? Do you see that kitty walking? Um, as the mother of a 13-year-old, 13-month-old, change is my constant. Changes are constant. Miss Winnie's body and mind is changing every day. Um, and the world around us seems to be changing very quickly every day. And I like to lean into a saying from Octavia Butler that kindness eases change and love quiets fear. Both of those are sayings that I have been leaning into really deeply during this pandemic. And yeah, I just want, you know, how do we show kindness to each other, to ourselves and to our kids? to our loved ones every day, every moment of every day. Um, in some ways, these are long, long days. Um, this winter, long, long days. So that's what I have to offer you today. How are we showing kindness? How are we making it so that our love quiets our fear and that our kindness eases all of our changes? Yeah. Can you blow kiss? You say bye-bye. <laughs> we love you. Such sweetness. Really grateful for the videos. Thank you, Frederick and Martha and Lena and Winnie. And I'm guessing that all of us in this space right now and those of us listening later, all of us are in the middle of change, either a change we've chosen or a change that has chosen us. 
And the question I want to hold this morning together is what can hold us? What can anchor us in the midst of change? That's the question I want to hold. And in the spirit of a mosaic, I want to offer three little pieces, three little reflections that I hope speak to this question. So here's the first piece. Many of you know that a very early morning walk is a part of my spiritual practice. Walking, journaling, and meditation are important, so important to my well-being right now. But here's the challenge I've been experiencing lately with walking, and Jen referenced this in her prayer, and many of you know this, it has been treacherously icy out there and downright dangerous for cars and bikes and pedestrians with lots of slip sliding around, which in so many ways mirrors the slip sliding around that many of us feel in our lives as the vaccine kind of rolls out, as the virus mutates and we really wonder what is next, as school looks like it might resume, but we're not exactly sure what that means and when, as efforts for racial justice and climate change begin, but we're not sure what that really means. The road ahead is daunting. It is a slip slidey time all around. So much feels uncertain and tentative. So in the midst of all of this, walking really helps ground me. These early morning walks were going fairly well because I had a pair of yak tracks that I would put on over my shoes and that basically secured me. But I walk a lot a lot. And the metal coils on the bottom of the yak tracks, they, they start, they, they broke. Many of them are broken, they've fallen off. And even the rubber wedding, webbing on the bottom of my yak tracks has busted off as well. So in short, this thing that anchored me wasn't working anymore. But I wasn't about to give up walking. So I went to the basement. And I went to my toolbox. And I found a real mix and match of small, random, kind of rejected screws that have just accumulated in my toolbox over the years. And I spent some time a number of days ago just screwing them into the bottom of a well-used pair of shoes. A pair of shoes that were just kind of between that place. So should I keep these, wear them a little bit longer, or you know, give them away, or throw them away, whatever it is. I, got that used pair of shoes and screwed these screws in. And as I put the last screw in, I thought to myself, this is either really uh, brilliant or just really ridiculous. And guess what? It worked. And I'm not saying um, that it's brilliant, but it worked. And I don't know if you can see this, but there's all these little small screws in the bottom of my shoe that actually anchors me pretty well on the ice. I don't know if it's brilliant, but it did work. Out of this nearly forgotten collection of leftover screws just laying there for who knows how long, I was able to create something that anchored me. And my guess is that you have a metaphorical or literal toolbox, spiritual or otherwise, or some kind of junk drawer, spiritual or otherwise, in your life that actually contains items and memories and practices and reminders that can hold and anchor you. It's not always the shiniest, newest things that can anchor us. Sometimes they're tucked away, far away, waiting for us to discover them. Story number two. 
I love mosaics. And I love, I see a comment, they're very, very short screws. So that's how that's working. And they're, they're Hoka shoes, so it's a huge cushion. I love mosaics. And I love the mosaic that Martha created, the one we saw a picture of in that earlier video, this mosaic created from the broken glass of the East Lake Street Library. In a way, the broken windows of the library were a reflection of the brokenness of policing, of the brokenness of a system that claims to be fair but systemically oppresses Black and Indigenous, people of color, disabled, queer, immigrants, and poor folks, among others. The broken glass mirrored that larger brokenness on some level. And yet, out of that brokenness, these leftover pieces, the leftover pieces of these windows, in that there were these seeds of renewal and possibility. They were just resting there. And Martha took what was broken to offer a personal and a collective vision of a way forward in that beautiful mosaic she created. I'm reminded of Terry Tempest Williams' book, Finding Beauty in a Broken World. In her book, Williams talks about her experience meeting and working with Lily Ye, a Chinese-American artist based in North Philadelphia. Terry Tempest Williams explains that Lily understood mosaic making as taking that which was broken and creating something whole. Perhaps some of you have heard of Lily Ye and the work that she has done and did in North Philadelphia. Terry Tempest Williams explains that Lily Ye helped create the village of arts and humanities in Philadelphia from the poorest of neighborhoods. Lily Ye stood in the center of an empty lot that was littered with glass and she picked up a stick and she drew a circle around her in this empty lot. One by one, a curious community came to see who this tiny Chinese woman was and what she was doing writes Terry Tempest Williams. Lillier invited them to pick up shards of glass and together they began making art. A tree of life was constructed on the standing wall of a building otherwise destroyed. It was the first of many mosaics to restore beauty to that neighborhood. And every time I think about this story Every time I read it or think about that image of mosaic making of a person just drawing a circle and then in that circle attending to the broken pieces of glass and whatever else is there. Every time I hear this story and think of the story, I'm reminded that in the mess, in the seeming brokenness of the world or brokenness of our lives, in the uncertainty, in the change, in the wreckage, there are the seeds of something life-giving and healing and beautiful. We may not like to look there, but where we focus, where we pay attention really matters. And sometimes looking at the brokenness can lead us to a kind of wholeness. I wanna share one final story with you this morning. Some of you may have heard this story this week or read it. I've shared it several times and in several places, so I'll condense it down just a little bit. This is a story from my colleague, the Reverend Sean Parker Dennison, and they describe meeting with 
some of their ministerial colleagues at the beginning of the year. And the question in front of them as they gathered for this meeting was this, what word would they claim for the new year? The first colleague chose hope. The next colleague chose compassion. The third chose self-care then peace. Someone chose devotion, then honor. So when it was their turn, Sean blurted out, ah, my word for the year is relentless. And the room was silent and then filled with nervous laughter. Sean explained, the world seems to be getting meaner. And I guess I chose relentless because I need it. I don't want to give up on the world or on myself. The silence continued. And then one of Sean's retired colleagues smiled and asked loudly, can I borrow that? I want to change my answer from kind to relentlessly kind. One by one, Sean's colleagues agreed. And for the year, they could commit themselves to relentless hope, relentless compassion, relentless self-care, relentless peace, relentless devotion, and relentless honor. And I wonder as you hear this story or hear this story again, in what ways it speaks to you, in what ways it resonates. Amidst all of the words that surround us right now, is there a word that calls out to you, maybe relentlessly nudges at you, calls out to you? Is there a word that speaks to you as we move into 2021? A word that you might focus your attention on, a word that might anchor you amidst the changes of this year. If so, if there's a word that resonates, I invite you to share that word in the chat box. It's fine if there's duplicates. It's fine if you've done this before. The practice here is to lift that word or identify that word and hold it in awareness, to let it be a signpost, to let it provide a roadmap to how you might move through your days. It's one piece to plug into the mosaic that can be your life, that can hold and anchor you. It's beautiful to see these words, to see these words in the chat box. It's beautiful. Maybe we can do a word cloud later and see what that looks like. But just by focusing our attention on a word, out of the many words around us, pandemic, vaccine, racial justice, uprising, uncertainty, to focus on a word, it can be a life-giving practice to let that word shape our interaction, our movement through the world, our relating to other peoples. Relentless hope, relentless healing, Finding a word can be powerful. I think about that mosaic that Martha Bird created. And I don't know if you could see it. I think you probably could. In the middle of that mosaic was the word courage, right there in the center. And what I want to remind us all of this morning is that these little objects, these words, these glass shards, these screws, and so many other things, they are all around us all of the time, offering themselves to our imagination, offering themselves as anchors, offering themselves as pieces we can put together to build 
a kind of wholeness. They're all around us. So friends, we are in the river of change. That's the constant, isn't it? But in that swirling, turbulent, sometimes slow and meandering current, we rest and we move and we have our being. We are in that current. But in that current and in our lives, there are countless little objects and practices and loving hands that can anchor us when it feels overwhelming, when it feels like it's too much. So check the back corners of your spiritual closets, the nooks and crannies of your spiritual toolboxes. Explore what looks broken and shattered. Flip through the pages of your spiritual dictionary and discover what treasures lie there. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of change, in the midst of laughter and tears, may you, May all of us find and hold fast to the things that anchor us. And together, together, may we dream on finding beauty and hope and possibility in a broken world. May it be so. Amen and blessed be. And I'm going to keep talking for just a little bit. So if you have your phones out or you're writing a check or whatever it is, you can finish doing that because I want you to really have your full attention on the screen and on our choir because they have got some moves and they've got some grooves. They have been working so hard over the course of this year, not only with the singing, but the video editing and just the way these videos have come together. And so when it starts, I hope you will give it your full attention. They have put some serious time and love into this piece. It is awesome. It is radical. It is fabulous. This is Dream On by the First Universalist Choir. Check it out.
goodness, yes. <laughs> oh, beloved choir, that is fabulous. I love seeing that mosaic of your faces together, your moves, your singing, your dancing. Thank you for that gift. Thank you for inviting us to dream on, to dream on through the laughter and the tears, through the changes, through the hardships, to dream on, to know we are not dreaming alone. There is a community we are a part of that is dreaming with us. Thank you. Thank you for that gift. I was just kind of rocking here. If, uh, if I'd have been in church, you guys would have seen me. I'm sure all of you were kind of rocking as well. What a joy. What a joy. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F I R S T U N I V, to 73256 to make your gift. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.